things. What's going on in your life? There's really nothing going on. We're stuck inside the house because nobody will leave their masks on. So I'm yep. just watching a lot of TV right now. <laughs> Same. Watching anything cool? Yes. I just finished The Queen. Oh. Uh, uh, the Crown. With, oh, The Crown. The new season with... Yes. Uh, I'm, I've not watched the new season yet, but boy, do I love British dramas. Oh, my God. Me too. We'll, we'll exchange notes at some point. Okay. Hey, speaking of queens, welcome to SJW Social Justice Weirdos. I am your queen of queens, Charlie McCorn. And I am Lenny Peppers. Didn't give yourself a queen title, huh? Oh, no, I don't. I don't need That's, to do that. Yeah. I, it's just assumed. Yeah, I have to. I have to constantly tell everyone that I'm a queen. People can just look at you and go, "Wow, she's fucking regal. She's she's got it figured out." You're right. I need to check my privilege here, my queen privilege. <laughs> isn't queen privilege that new Netflix movie about chess? Like, isn't that? <laughs> am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. Um, what? Yeah. So this is the podcast where we discuss the history of social justice movements uh, through our own uh, fractured take, our own little mm, twisted view of the world. Yes. <laughs> that is that, that I is say, correct. I say too much. Give, give me more things. <laughs> Set me up. Set me up, Queen. Uh, I, I feel like I'm in the spot now, and I can't think of any. All of the words have left my head, actually. Oh, I hate it when that happens. I am super excited about today's episode, because we will be talking about... Marsha P. Johnson. Uh, which, so I need to sort of jump in and clarify. And I think when I introduced this last week, I, I want to say that I, I called her a trans woman. And one of my like big pet peeves is like trying to retroactively apply like an identity to someone who wouldn't have had the, the words to, you know, entertain that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, did Marsha P. Johnson ever say, am I a trans woman? No, no, she didn't. Transgender was not really a term that was like in vogue during her life lifetime. Some people will put her closer to just like gender non-conforming. Some people will say that she was just a, 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 a drag queen. But I think a lot of identity and a lot of, I think, politics with LGBTQ people, as I know, is that we are all sort of like not easily fitting in to certain categories. So for, for however uh, Marsha P. Johnson identified, that's sort of insignificant, I would say, in relation to the actual things that she did in her life, which we, we should remember. Absolutely. So Marsha P. Johnson, she was born uh, August 24th, 1945 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Uh, she lived, her family was black. And when she realized at a young age that uh, she was gay, she knew, oh, that's trouble. Because as her mother told her, if you're gay, you're worse than a dog. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So uh, so at this point, uh, Marsha kind of like stays in the closet, uh, just sort of like steps away, doesn't date anyone, doesn't have sex with anyone, just kind of like puts 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 her head down and, and does things. Uh, finishes high school in like the early 60s and heads to New York with like mm, 20 bucks in her pocket and like whatever clothes that she had. She moves uh, to New York, gets a job in Greenwich Village, and suddenly realizes, oh, fuck, there are gay people. Like, I'm not the, I see, there's a like, community. We're not worse than dogs. We're all individual people. Uh, and at this point, she starts getting into uh, drag, taking the drag queen name Marsha P. Johnson, uh, as we said. 
Uh, the P, of course. Why don't you ask me what the P stands for? Penelope. Oh, that's close. Uh, that's close. It's actually Penvelope. It's Penelope with a V in it. Really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God damn uh, it. <laughs> yeah. No, the P stood for pay it no mind. Uh, it was this phrase that she was sort of famous for using where people would be like, hey, what are you? A guy in a dress? Hey, wh what are you? Some sort of weirdo? Her response would be, Marsha P. Johnson. The P stands for pay it no mind. Uh, she once said this to a judge that, uh, that uh, vacated uh, her arrest. It was like, okay, well, you obviously broke the law, but that's pretty tight. You're free to go. Just was like, all right, that's cool. You're, you're too like, cool yeah, for this. That's a funny, it's a funny middle name joke. You're, you're, you don't need to be arrested. And she was arrested a lot. She was arrested like over a hundred times. In wow. Uh, she was even shot once in the 1970s. And a lot of these uh, arrests came from the survival sex work that she had to do. Uh, she was, of course, a, a black gender nonconforming woman. Uh, she was not able to be easily employed. And so sometimes she did what she had to do. That's okay. Uh, sex work is valid work. Just throwing that out there. Mm -hmm. I so, agree. so got into drag. Now, of course, drag is a is a huge spectrum. There are there are different ways of dragging, uh, dragging. I don't even know if that's the right way. Um, say that, but there's sort of the idea of drag like this high, like the fashion, the beauty, the glamour. That's not you know that's fine if you have money, but people like Marsha P. Johnson and Charlie McCorn get whatever weird things we can, and we make it fucking work. Uh, so this leads us to probably the most important parts of her life, at least the most uh, infamous part of her life, June 28th, 1969, the Stonewall Uprising, which is largely credited as the beginning of the modern LGBTQ rights movement. Now, again, history is, you know, like Swiss cheese. Mm -hmm. Like, it's delicious, and it's full of holes. Like, sometimes there are things that contradict each other. I'm just going to give you the information just so you kind of know where it, it, it flies around to. So, the Stonewall Inn, uh, if you don't know, I know you do. I know a lot of people do. But, you know, yeah. one thing I've noticed, quick aside, grad school, oh my god, trying to get people to understand, like, what Stonewall was, was me hitting my head against a wall. So, <laughs> like, oh, like, this entertainer was very popular, you know, before the Stonewall Rides, and People, people that we know, people that have known me a long time, people that I feel are, are very, quote unquote, like aware of, of queer issues, we're still very like, well, what, what was Stonewall? You know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, Stonewall was uh, in, it was a club, it was like a bar, and uh, it was a gay bar, gay men only. In the 1960s, of course, we ended up with, with uh, gender equality. And so the Stonewall in for the first time started allowing women and uh, drag queens to come hang out at this gay bar. Mm -hmm. It was run by the mafia. The mafia was totally good collecting a payday to give gay people a place to like drink and dance. Uh, the police show up and uh, raid the bar. Everyone in the bar was being arrested. They were being segregated uh, by sex. And what I mean by that is like they had everyone like expose their genitals to know like what jail to take them to. Mm -hmm. So according to various versions of the story, this was the point where Marsha P. Johnson grabs a shot glass and throws it against uh, a mirror. Some versions of the story say that she threw a brick. Some say she threw a brick at the police. Whatever happened, uh, she and several other uh, black drag queens and uh, trans women of color of trans experience kick off two nights of riots. 
uh, of, of this great uprising of, of queer people. Uh, in various recollections, Johnson said uh, that she was like not present at the beginning of the riot. She came in earlier. Uh, she was, uh, multiple people said that they did see her on a lamppost uh, dropping bricks down on cop cars, which, pretty punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> so following Stonewall, these two days of rioting, uh, LGBTQ people realized, hey, we were stronger together than we are apart. Let's, let's do something about that. And this was sort of the, the, the imperatives that led to the larger levels of, of queer liberation that we have today. Uh, Marsha P. Johnson would go on to form an organization called STAR, the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. Uh, That's which, awesome. It's a great name. It yeah, is a that name, name is so good. And it was all about, you know, getting getting queer kids off the streets, like giving them a place to stay, giving them a roof over their heads, uh, giving them an option to, to take care of things. Now, here's where things get a little shitty because you think, well, Marsha P. Johnson was at this sort of pivotal moment. Her involvement with it, you know, has been corroborated at different levels, you know, sort of across the board. But she and and other uh, women of color and and drag queens um, such as Sylvia Rivera, for example, were kind of excluded from this story. So the next year, 1970, she marched in the first gay pride parade uh, ever. And then did various parts of direct action, such as uh, doing sit-ins at Weinstein University uh, after administrators uh, canceled an event by an LGBTQ student group. So did it there. Um, but later gay pride parades, didn't. they wanted to have, quote-unquote, a level of respectability, which, again, is just kind of usually thinly-veiled racism, right? Like, we can't have this, this black, gender nonconforming trans woman we can't let this drag queen be like the the icon of the movement. We're going to scare people. This leads to her being excluded from a lot of things. Uh, she would actually hold protests at gay right uh, gay rights rallies. Like the parade would be going by and there's Marsha P. Johnson on the megaphone. She'd be like, hey, what about my gay rights? I want them now. <laughs> yeah, that, but I mean, for real, though. Um, one of my favorite stories about her, we talked about her, her arrests. Um, she was arrested on the charge of hustling, which is kind of a very vague thing. And the judge said, all right, uh, well, said Mr. Johnson, because, you know, judges are pieces of shit. And she was constantly misgendered through her life. Said, you know, why, you know, why did you need this money? And Marsha P. Johnson looks at the judge and said, oh, I needed to buy a tombstone for my husband. And the judge says your husband. Well, how did he die? And Marcia said, the, the pigs shot him. Oh. <laughs> and I'm uh, sure that went over so well. Oh, yeah. Um, again, super punk rock, Marcia P. Johnson. Like, super punk rock. Uh, and then I guess it gets a little sad. Um, so she obviously was sort of excluded from the larger, quote-unquote, mainstream gay rights movement. Being a, a, a trans woman, being a woman of color, you know, these things kind of put her to the background. Her mental health was never the greatest, and she would have some pretty wild mood swings occasionally. Um, the police found her body uh, floating under a bridge in 1992 um, in the Hudson River, right after a pride parade. Despite her having a serious wound to the head and despite, you know, 
all of her friends saying that Johnson, you know, that she was not suicidal. Mm-hmm. The police uh, listed the cause of death as suicide and, and closed it. And it seems that more likely Marsha P. Johnson was murdered. And the police didn't care because she was a black trans woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has, of course, been able to sort of enter our, our larger conscious as an important figure in, in our movement. Uh, still getting excluded. Um, Roland Emmerich made a film version of, uh, of the Stonewall Riots a few years ago called Stonewall with a lily white cast. Oh. Marsha P. Johnson appears, but very briefly. And that's that's kind of her story. So she she was a drag queen. She was a, a fighter. She helped queer youth. She helped the homeless youth. Uh, she was an AIDS activist and sort of was a quote unquote, like, you know, in drag, there's the idea of like drag mothers and drag daughters, which is is a very complicated and and very interesting part, I think, of culture. And she sort of was that drag mother for just a generation of, of queer youth in New mm-hmm. York who she was able to you know, get off the streets and take care of. Uh, a real hero. There is now a statue of her next to the Stonewall Inn in New York. Mm-hmm. That's awesome that there's a statue. It is really crappy uh, about how... She was mostly excluded from the movie, though, uh, especially yeah. considering like how many people of color like were on the forefront of like the gay and human rights battles that were happening at that time. It is so fucked up that she. OK, so again, that movie, which which I have seen. It's so strange because that cast is like 90 percent white, like there are people of color in it. But, like, all of the main characters and, like, most secondary characters, a few tertiary ones, are all just, like, these weight, these, like, white, skinny gay dudes. hmm When, obviously, you know, being in New York, being in a queer club, that's not how the demographics exist. And the, the queer people who started this, and there's a lot of, in the community, you know, there's a lot of debate going on about, you know, the, the white gay and lesbian community who was just kind of looking for marriage equality. And now that, you know, the violence against trans people is listed as an epidemic by the CDC and especially trans women of color like Marsha P. Johnson have faced serious problems and have faced uh, the same struggles that they were facing back in Marsha's time. Women of color were the ones that started this movement. All the rights that I have as a queer person uh, are because of that. I'm able to live my life to a degree of freedom that I wouldn't have because of, of the fucking lumps they took back then. And now knowing that, you know, trans women of color are still, you know, disproportionately murdered, uh, forced out of ho- uh, housing, uh, drug use, all of these statistics that are still overwhelmingly facing trans women of color, they're still issues. Right. And, and, that's, and that's fucked up that we can't recognize the contributions of our larger community and realize that like they did back after Stonewall, we are stronger together than we are apart. Right. Exactly. And what's really messed up is I've actually had like friends, not necessarily friends anymore, but (laughs) uh, be like, Oh, Stonewall. Like that is, you know, terrible. I'm so glad it's not like that today. And I'm like, 
wait, what? Do you think that that happened in the past? That's happening now. Yeah. And <laughs> like, this isn't a problem that's been fixed. Yeah. Homelessness, police violence, drug addiction, all of these things, you know, things are not good now because they're good for some people, which is frustrating to me as, as a white trans, as a trans who is white, you know, I, I still have a degree of privilege, you know, just from being the, the, the dominant skin color in this, you know, goofy system, this crazy upside down system. But I recognize, you know, that we need to have a larger community and a larger understanding and we need to work together because people are dying and that's fucked up that we're not doing enough about it. Yes, 100%. So I would say if anyone's feeling like particularly like useful, there are some great organizations that support trans women of color. Uh, there's some really great uh, fundraisers going on right now. Check those out. Put some money forward. Like actually do something because we, we can't keep going this way. I realize I'm on my soapbox. I realize I am probably gay. Like at this point, anyone listening to this, you know, never any question about it anymore. I am passionate <laughs> about this. Yeah. You know, I am, I'm not, and I think that the idea of Marsha, Marsha P. Johnson's her, her whole, her whole life and her whole thing was there are people that still have incredible struggles. There are people that still have you know, a bad hand dealt to them by a shitty society, shitty parents, religious extremism. But even if your life is awful and you have to do whatever, you you can still, it doesn't define you as bad. You don't have to wallow in the badness, I guess. Right. Does that make sense? I don't want to, you know, put down any of the things that she did, but, you know, multiple times homeless, arrested a hundred times, and she was still helping people. Yes. Like she was yeah. just, and maybe we should all not give up. I don't know. I'm rambling. I get, I get angry about trans issues. I mean, That's rightfully rough. so. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm still kind of um, mad that I fell for that envelope thing. <laughs> oh. You know what? That's fair. Uh, <laughs> envelope is one of my... It's, I don't remember where I got it, but it was just this joke about Penvelope being Penelope with a V in it, and it just stuck. <laughs> I think I've actually heard you tell that before somewhere, and I still just stepped right into it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be careful when you're talking to me, because I have all of these verbal traps that I have, like, ready to spring. Like, that's why I wear such ostentatious jewelry, like, the few times I'm able to go in public. So when people say, ooh, nice brooch, I have a thing that I can just launch into that, uh -huh. uh, that I do because I'm a psychopath. Like, I'm really unstable. I really <laughs> am. People say, ooh, nice brooch. And I'll say, oh, thank you. It was my grandmother's. And they'll go, oh, that's sweet. And I'll say, yeah, I stole it from the old racist. <laughs> and then they'll go, whoa. And I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. She died. <laughs> yeah. And I just got it the normal way. We get things from our grandmothers. Yep. I'm a... <laughs> Which is... It's not even my grandmother's. I bought it on Amazon. It's <laughs> it's like twelve dollars. That's that's what I do. That's that's not my direct action, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, this is direct action as well. Um, Absolutely. And I I really love being able to do this podcast. 
Uh, I will also be talking about a person next week who um, kind of pushed the boundaries when it came to uh, medicine specifically. Okay. I will be talking about Dr. Susan LaFleche. And she was the first American Indian woman in the United States to receive a medical degree. And the reason why she uh, did it was because when she was a child, she watched a sick Native woman die because a local white doctor would not give her care. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about her next week. That is, uh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to learn. What was her name again? Uh, Susan LaFleche. Susan LaFleche. I'm excited to hear all about that next week. Which I think is a great doctor to say, personally. Yeah. LaFleche. A little Clive Barkery, I think. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, okay, so that's next week. Uh, and that's all I have for today. All right. Well, then, uh, I'm Charlie McCorn. And I'm Lenny Peppers. This has been SJW Social Justice Weirdos. Remember, you can't change the world. Throw a brick or a shock glass.